Fitness Bootcamp's Inner Circle Podcast with Georgette Pan and Jesse Stoddard. Well, we're back, and I'm really excited today to talk to you a little bit about finding the perfect boot camp locations. And uh, this is episode 17. We've been uh, on the air here through Blog Talk Radio for quite some time. Really excited. Um, it's Jesse today, and uh, we may or may not have Georgette. We'll see if we'll get on. There she is. All right. Yep. And we're both we're both here. How are you doing, Georgette? Good. I lost track of time. Hey, no problem. It worked out great. So um, I've got a, an interesting topic because I've received a lot of questions about it recently, and I thought we would talk about it. So I know that uh, Georgette doesn't have a clue what I'm about to say, but because <laughs> we didn't plan, we often uh, do these spontaneously, and we're just being very authentic and real here, So just so that everybody knows. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about finding uh, the perfect boot camp location. And uh, and I worded it that way just to challenge us, you know, what what does that mean? So in this episode, we're going to explore the topics of finding and securing uh, good boot camp locations for your fitness business and, you know, which one's better, indoor boot camps or outdoor, both. Uh, questions that I hear a lot are how to, how to negotiate a lease. Uh, yeah. We've had several new uh, coaching clients that are getting go- going with their fitness businesses and... They have maybe uh, worked for other companies in the past, and they've they've done it for anywhere from uh, you know parks to apartment complexes, high-rise buildings in the city. One of our clients is in New York City, um, working for various different groups. Uh, we've had people that get their own standalone location, have their own fitness studios, uh, people that get the warehouse spaces, people that uh, are going more retail. Um, I've talked to people that have a gym right next to a major thoroughfare like a freeway, uh, others that are seem like they're out in the sticks or they're out in suburbia in the middle of a, you know, a, a sparsely populated area too in rural areas. So, I mean, right. boot camps can be anywhere. So I figured, hey, I want to I ask Georgette, what does she think? Um, let's just maybe talk a little bit about your experience and what you did personally because that's, you know, what you know, but then maybe we can talk about you know, where? Well, what are all the options out there and what should a new trainer look for, a seasoned trainer that's already uh, d- doing this? What You know, what, what might they look for t- in terms of the future for expansion? Or uh, I know that th- there's so many options. So where should we start? Georgette, I wanted to hear your – I'll put you on the spot first. <laughs> <laughs> where I started? <laughs> well, I had a an uh, idea I happened to be working at a golf gym that was located right next to a park there was a you know regular city park um and when I had the idea originally to start boot camps it was to go outdoors and that was my original um plan that we actually followed through with but back up um we also started a studio as a lot of listeners now and some actually don't but we started the studio and the boot camps at the same time so the boot camps were um outdoors at the park we did find a studio and it was through a client (laughs) uh client had connections and the studio happened to be right across the street from gold's gym at the time which is now not there anymore gold 
but and it was also across the street from that same park. So what we did was, you know, we obviously opened the studio and still, you know, took the everybody outside for the boot camps. And probably the first year we did that. Um and then we were noticing that there was always you know, a reason not to go outside. <laughs> Clients had the reason. <laughs> too hot, too cold, too many bugs, too this, too that. So what we did then was bring them in, indoors. And at times we still do go out. So it's if the weather is nice, being in northeast PA, it's not always the case. But, you know, it was, there's an option. So I have an option to do both, go in or go out. And you know, the majority of them are held inside, but, you know, we we do occasionally go out in nice weather. And that's how that story evolved. I mean, we were outside, I, I'm going to say at least a year, we would just walk across, you know, walk across the street. Everybody was, you know, informed to, if we were bringing anything, like med, medicine balls or whatever, to help, you know, as part of the uh, workout. <laughs> take the medicine ball down the block, but um, we transported everything over, and we did it from there, but like I said, there was a lot of complaints with the weathers, and, you know, snow, and rain, and this, and that, so we uh, at least had the option, because that could be, the weather can be a stickler in certain areas, and that's, uh, you know, with outdoor camps, and that. You know, you either have that up front, you know, rain, shine, sleet, snow, whatever we're going, we're doing it, or you have to come up with some other kind of policy where there's makeup classes or, or whatever. But, you know, I, I, I thought it was much easier to be indoors, to be honest with you, it's, it, and have the option to go out if we if we wanted to. That's the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you deal with that when you're outdoor and, you know, you have, you know, weather and problems, and how did you deal with the makeup session thing? Do you remember well, that? Or did you have to? Did you move indoors before you had to deal with it? No. Um, let me think. We didn't – I don't remember having too much of a problem, to be honest with you. And here's why, because they were doing three either – at that time – in the beginning, they were either signing up for a two-day-a-week or three-day-a-week boot camp at that time because there's been, you know, you could come four days a week and you could come unlimited now. I mean, so I'm talking about that time when we first started. And even if it was four-day-a-week <laughs> or five-day-a-week, we had a Saturday camp. We had every day of the week, so that's six days a week plus two in the morning hours. You know, so there was six, seven, eight, you know, let's say it's eight classes at that time. So all they had to do was pick one to make it up. You know what I mean? Like they could come to any class that was offered for a makeup. That's not hard to do, you know. So I didn't have an issue, to be honest. So it wasn't hard. And how did you... Was it, you know, normally when you see, when if you were to advise a brand new trainer who is just trying to get started, would you tell them to start in the park? What would you tell them? Hmm. Well, you know, I don't know if I would 
tell them to start in the park because it would depend on where they are. You know, you know what I mean? It may not be, it may be the cheapest way to go, <laughs> I mean, apparently, right? Because it could be anywhere from free to, to very little if you check with your parks and recreation, you know, for overhead purposes. So, the, you know, it could be the most economical way, but then you have to, you know, plan for all the other events that may happen, you know, cancellations. So you could just say, hey, we're rain or shine, or these are, you could, you're allowed to come to any class and, you know, in any location if you have more than one to make up a class if it's, if it's our, if it's weather related, you know what I mean? If, right. Yeah, I don't know if I would tell them to start in the park necessarily because anymore there's so many other uh, indoor options that, you know, people have come up with and other people have have come up with since, since there's Zumba studios now, there's, you know, Pilates studios, there's martial arts studios, there's church basements. Some people even somehow worked out things with schools gymnasiums, um, warehouses. (laughs) I'm trying to think of, like, all the things. And now there's even gymnastic centers, which, you know, going back when I first started, that wasn't even heard of. So there was, you know, now there's the the gymnastic centers, uh, aerobic (laughs) places that just deal with, you know, aerobics, other fitness studios, although that would probably be last on my list because that can open up another can of worms. We, but, you know, <laughs> let's uh, let's just stick to all those other places. Tennis, soccer domes, I mean, the list can go on. So, I mean, the, the, those things weren't available when I first started. There was no such thing. I never heard of a soccer dome. Now, you know, there's a soccer dome and, you know, all these other locations. So, to answer your question, <laughs> not necessarily would I tell them to start in the park, but, you know, if they absolutely were, you know, dead broke and, you know, didn't want any overhead, then start in the park. But, you know, um, or if you're dead, you know, you have your heart set on doing outside boot camps because you could always change. A lot of people are mm, yeah. really, really into outdoor boot camps. And they want to run outdoor boot camps. So, you know, it's like you can't. And if that's the niche, that's part of the niche when you think about it. You know what I mean? It's not just men, women, fat loss, this. It's also the fact that it's outside. Because a lot of people want to work out outside. So if you're that is your niche, then to bring it inside would be, right, it would be counterproductive. So if you're... <laughs> So I'm I'm looking at it from that point of view. If if you want to be outside, and that's the client you want to go for, the client that wants to train outside, and there are clients that want to train outside. Since you know, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Requested. What are you looking for? Outdoor training. Oh, okay. But I, you know, right. so yeah. So that could be. So I wouldn't tell them necessarily to start there. But it would depend on the situation and, you know, the person, the niche, the this, the that, you know, the location. 
Um, but it's definitely a viable option because it does not have an overhead per se. You do have to check with Parks and Recreation. You don't just show up and take money because they're cracking down on that from when I first started, too. I mean, before you could do that, you could go and you could just get away with it and, you know, go, oops, I'm sorry, I didn't know, and that's that. But now there's a lot of states that are coming out with, you know, you're not allowed to do boot camps in the park or you you can, but, you know, you need to pay us this this much, you know, and that's, you know, and that's just the way it is. You should always check with parks and recreation or city council, whatever you have to do to find out. There's a lot of uh, uh, negative talk about uh, uh, fitness, uh, about running boot camps and parks by certain mm-hmm. well. gurus in our industry. They say, oh, you know, it's a joke. You shouldn't do it. If you're serious and you're running it like a business, you just the only option should be to get an indoor location. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree with that? Disagree? Yes and no? What are your thoughts? I disagree. What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. That probably means I'm selling an indoor pro. I'm selling an indoor. <laughs> That's what that means. That means my product is indoors, so buy my product. But it doesn't. Right. <laughs> I like that. That's funny. <laughs> so let's call a spade a spade. You know, because what the heck is the difference if it's outdoors or indoors? Yeah, there's. Like I said, there are some. You know. You're in Alaska and you're running an outdoor boot camp. Maybe, maybe it isn't an issue. Maybe everybody's already, you know, accustomed to the lousy weather <laughs> or the cold. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's going to be. It could be an issue. We had the worst winter. Weather can be an, an issue, but you know, that being said, there's people that run boot camps in the Northeast outside, and and have for years. It, at night, it's cold, it's raining, it's this, it's that. Unless it's like some kind of thunderstorm, you know, their policy is stated up front, and that's the point. Their policy is we go, whether it's rain or sleet or snow. You know, <laughs> and if you, you know, so they know that up front. It's not like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're doing this in the, in the in a, and it's drizzling. No, I mean, the policies are stated up front and they're clear. And if you don't want to join, then you don't join. Or if you want to, you know, make up one or two classes. But, you know, we had, a, like I said, the worst winter ever last year here. Mm. And it beat, you know, snow constantly on the ground and bitter cold. So, I mean, you know, I don't know how that would have went over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could be. An, it's, an, it's an issue depending on where you're at. And, uh, you know, in that case, I would make sure there was some kind of cover. I mean, sometimes parks even have their own little covered areas, depending on the size of your class. Right. But, you know, it's you really got to look around and check around because, and you have to make up your mind, too, whether you want to be indoor, outdoor, or a combination of both. Because no matter where you go indoors, you can always take some people out to a parking lot. Uh, or somewhere, you know, or go for uh, a run or a walk or a nice, do something. There's, you know, in order to give an option of both on some days. But, you know, and that goes all into the planning aspect, but we're not there. We're back at getting a location. But, you know. Right, right. 
now I have to ask this question because it's the uh, it's a loaded question and it's the headline of of what I'm calling this episode for fun. <laughs> but uh, you know, just to get your response, what, how do you find the perfect boot lo- boot camp location, or what's the what would you call the perfect location? And um, you know, or how would you advise that to somebody who's a trainer out there trying to make this work? Well. I don't know about perfect. You're put, put, <laughs> people are going to start quoting if I say perfect location. <laughs> Good, a perfect location. I don't know if there is a perfect. Well, let's see. I think, you know, like I was, well, repeat your question. You want to know how you would go well, about finding well, perfect location? How about or this? Just, you know, what is? Is there one? Is there a perfect boot le- boot camp location, or and if there was, what would it be to you? No. Well, for me, it would be my. It would be having my own business and having my own studio. That you know that I actually, you know what I mean. That's both best of both worlds. But let's just say that you don't have a studio. Um, the perfect location for me would probably be indoors. <laughs> next to a park. <laughs> That's the perfect location right. for me. So but, uh, uh, a, a place right next to a park so you could do both, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you do have the option to do both, no matter what it is. Like, let's say you wanted to do the park that I have across the street from me was to say we wanted to do something outdoors. I mean, there's hills. We did all of this when we were at the park. There was a track, you know, there was a regular track around the football field. There was playground areas. There was hills for hill sprinting. There was, uh, <laughs> there was, you know, there was just, you know, 150 ways to go. There's a, there was also what they called a dike, but it's a, it was a walking area that they had built, uh, you know, that goes through several towns in the area, so it was specifically made for that. So there was, like, all kinds of uh, areas, you know, to go and to to come up with different things. So if I just wanted to go out for part of it, I could do that. So that's the op that you asked for the perfect location, and for me that would have been it, a place with, you know, indoors that has the – that has something really cool outdoors, like a park or playground or something – that that would be, you know, right next to it. So that's not always possible, but hey. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the indoor location for a minute. Like what kind of, you know, what kind what, what how much space, uh how much cost? And you know, let's talk both about what you you actually have, you know, your the size of maybe your studio, but just well in this ideal, also in the ideal space, how much space do you need to run a good boot camp and you know what kind of you know what kind of uh, overhead are we looking at here, and just kind of maybe break down what the indoor lo- indoor component of this ideal location is is about. Uh, well, sometimes I do think that these, uh, you know, obviously I have a studio, so you know, uh, it, it's not huge. You know, it doesn't have to be, but sometimes it's the shape of the space that matters, and not necessarily the square footage, because I uh-huh. had a I had a, a you know, a, a studio prior to this one in the same building. We just moved, but it was not, 
when we did move, we moved for the reason of the space, um, even though it was a little bit bigger. I don't even know what we have. Let's say it's only like 1,400, 1,500 square feet. The other one was maybe 1,100 square feet, just to give the, the difference. It wasn't that big. But the difference was the shape of the space. The shape of the first space I had was shaped like an L. So, in a sense, it was like a short, fat L. <laughs> but this space I have now is straight, wide open like a warehouse. So, in other words, there's a lot more area to to hold, you know, to have a, a boot camp and have an, enough room for everybody. Even if you do have a cutoff, it gives you some more leeway with what equipment you use and what you do you know, what exercises or programming you could do that you couldn't do in the other shape. You know, the other shape of the the room was different. So it really was, that is probably more important. I like the old, wide open, like a warehousey type of look. You know, rectangular, straight, you know, that you can have all that area you know, only have a bigger class size, but to do different things within that class that you couldn't do. Even if you still yeah. only want to five, you still could do different things in, in a space that's, you know, doesn't have walls and, pole, you know. We, there, we also were using another warehouse in our, in our building for a while before they, you know, the, when it was empty. And that was just strictly huge, and it had poles in the middle of it, you know. So you have to, you know, utilize the, the best utilize the, the space you have. So you want to look for some space that's conducive to what you're doing, you know. And that yeah, a lot of the a lot of trainers get kind of uh, deceived when they're looking at spaces and they see a square footage. And it uh, looks nice and big, but it's all uh, chopped up in different office shapes and uh, or it's uh, l- like an L shape, like you said, or something else. And, and it's really not usable space. Uh, right. And unless somebody's going to knock some walls out, then there's it's not going to be – I mean, it's better to have a smaller space that's just a nice square rectangle uh, than it is to have, you know, some weird shapes or too many offices and, and that kind of thing. Right. Because there's, you know, if you have a closet and then you you count, they count everything into square footage. Don't forget, including you know the doorway. So you got the doorway. You have the, you know, your waiting room or an office space. Everything is included in the square footage. So, you know, and then the shape of the room would obviously be important. But you know, there's so many options right. now indoor, indoor places that probably the the last place to go to look bottom of list would be another fitness studio because and why is that why is that i don't here's why i don't like it i'm i'm because the people here's what happens you go in and you and you say you know i want to run a boot camp here you know at your studio what do you think oh sounds like a great idea says the owner <laughs> right and well we, we can even do a 50-50 split if you'd like. Okay. And then you have the problem that the the owner wants to do boot camps themselves. 
now. Right. You know, why why 50-50 split when uh, I could be 90-10 split, you know? (laughs) Right, so why don't you come work for me instead? You know, I'm thinking we should offer boot camps, which you you should have been, but we won't go there. (laughs) Yeah, you should have been. Why aren't you? But the point is, you're not. And now somebody wants to come in with their own business and run a boot camp, and they go, hmm, that's a good idea. I should be doing Georgette, that. Georgette, one of our one of our clients uh, just recently went through that with a Pilates studio. Uh, even even though the Pilates seemed like it was uh, enough different of a niche that it wouldn't be a, con- a conflict, you know, you think, well, that's that's pretty different. They're they're very very specific. They're not doing normal fitness classes like a gym does. But even then, uh, after but, several meetings and negotiation, oh, it's a great idea, great idea, and then pretty soon it's like. Yeah, I think I want to do that myself, and uh, I'll hire you back at whatever, you know, minimum wage or something. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it can happen even in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? That's interesting. I didn't know it was a, the, it was a Pilates. Yeah, well, you would yeah. think that wouldn't be, and that's probably more so, uh, that's probably a little bit more unusual that a Pilates studio would start, would think to offer boot camps. Because but it's tell, it, what it tells you is that they're looking to diversify more and more. Businesses are starting to try to look at this kind of stuff, even when they didn't used to. So, yeah. It'd be better to find, well, if you have a choice, right? Probably better to find some kind of, you know, indoor tennis court, um, uh, you know, some kind of studio. That There's all kinds of, you know, fitness places, from racquetball studio, you know, places to tennis places to, you know, martial arts is not going to go into a boot camp more than likely, but, you know, you know one never knows, but, you know, because there's boxing boot camps now, but that's a whole different thing, and that's another, you know, area, but, you know, there's other places that are even nothing to do with fitness, if, you know, you could go to a church, church basements, rent that out, schools. Right. Gymnasiums. I'm not so sure how that would work with the school gymnasium, but I know people do it. Warehouses that are empty, or, or you know, you know, something that has nothing to do with fitness. But then again, gymnasium, uh, gymnastic, soccer domes, gymnastic uh, places. Even though they're fitness related, they probably wouldn't be a conflict. You know. Because they're they're running something like totally different, totally totally. Even though Pilates was too, it's just a, a whole different scenario. You're talking teams and um, you know, totally different usage. You'd have to. Put I agree. Uh huh. Yeah, I, yeah. I've had I've had many experiences with gyms, big corporate places, small gyms, and uh, unless you are somehow tied in with the owner. Uh, in terms of ownership, it's it's a it's it's temporary at best. It's it's so you're just asking for conflicts of interest to to creep in, even if you get a good lease with one of them. Unless it's a training studio with multiple trainers that are all already independent, and the owner really just wants to keep it independent, and everybody just pays rent or something, which is very rare to find nowadays. But if you could find that, maybe that'd be a place. I have another client that's in a was in a gym and. She was trying to do her own boot camps. It was just 
too hard because the other trainers were, you know, it's like they're all trying to do the same thing. And, um, you know, another thing I wanted to chime in real quick on, you know, for those looking to rent space for their, for a uh, first location or they're expanding it, um, and they're looking for guidelines. What I found is that in terms of rental space, if you're going to get an indoor location, uh, right. you're usually looking for something that's approximately 2,000 to 2,500 square feet in general. Because bigger than that, you're running a much larger operation. You're running a gym, and it's usually going to be very, very expensive. And un you can do it for less, um, yeah, you, you know, of, of course. But you're typically going to find that kind of space in some sort of light industrial warehouse, if you're if you're trying to do a standalone location where you've got a studio that you can do fitness boot camps and personal training all day long, and if you're following you know the business model that leans towards subleasing, which is what I typically do, uh, instead of getting your own spot but just sharing it with a you know like you were saying gymnastics facilities, indoor soccer, that kind of thing, then you can find the space in a variety of different formats. Um, but you know I prefer my list is gymnastics facilities, indoor soccer, martial arts studios. Uh, community or retirement uh, centers of different kinds, boys and girls club, basketball courts, tennis clubs, right. that kind of thing. Those are my preferred. If I had to pick a favorite or a best or a perfect, that's what I pick. I, I even pick those over standalone locations because of the cost. So yeah. out of an average of 2,000 square feet, if you're renting it, you may have a few hundred tied up in bathrooms and office space. So uh, you're you're paying for that too, and you got to have at least you want to you want to try to shoot for at least 1,400 square feet of actual workout area if you can. If you got to go smaller, just know that you're going to be limited in the number of clients, which means you're gonna you know gonna cap out on how much money you can make. Um, and if you end up in a situation where you've got a great new potential location, but your cash flow is tight, then you need to proceed cautiously. And I think the best you know, the best thing to do is to get some kind of, the, of, of a free bonus or more than one bonus when you negotiate the lease for your new location. So the free bonus could be anything from a free rent period, like one month free, several months or even longer, or it could be a discounted rate as you ramp, ramp up your business. So we had um, one new client that for the first three months, it's, you know, it was like 30% off of the normal rent uh, or even 50% off. And then after yeah. that, you start, you know, each month you pay a little more until you get up to the amount that they want. And that's all negotiate. You can negotiate everything. And a discounted rental ag arrangement usually comes in the form of a graduated rent where it starts lower and then, you know, gradually increases at predetermined intervals and, until it gets up to the full amount. So, And then the yeah. last thing I want to mention is just how much square footage, you know, you currently have. Uh, and how much of it can be designated actual workout space is probably the most important thing. And then you can right. figure out your cost per square foot. And, you know, or you can even figure out your revenue per square foot. And, and you know how much, you know, you have a net profit afterward. A lot of trainers won't ever go to that level of, of doing the math. But I'll give you an example of where it can make a big difference. I had a, uh indoor soccer facility a long time ago. And, um, and currently I have, for a boot camp, I use a boys and girls club basketball court. And, you know, is that as cool, is that as um, professional looking as having my own gym with, you know, my own sign above the door and not sharing with anybody? No, it's not. I mean, would it be better to have my own place that I could use all day long? Yes, but that's only from one side of the argument. The other right. side is everything comes at a cost. So right. if I have a boys and girls club that I'm paying like 150 or $200 a month in rent, 
and I can use it every day of the week. Now, I can't use it all day, but I can use it during my peak morning boot camp time, which is all I really wanted it for. And I'm paying that, and I can, you know, get five, ten clients. I've already not only covered my expenses, but I'm making enough to make it worth it with only five clients. Now, if I if I, pack, I have a whole gymnasium, which is huge compared to a little studio, and if I did get everybody to show up on in, on the same day and, and and max it out, I could probably get up to forty people in that boot camp. I could well fifty would be almost too much just for one instructor anyway, but, and I don't even like big boot camps like that anymore, but I used to, you know, I could get 30, 40 people in there all paying full price and crank it. And maybe I need an assistant trainer to help me with a large group. Maybe not, depending on how I ran the workout and there's enough room for them all. And just look at the margin, you know, look at how much you bring in versus how much you pay. And then if I had the big gym that I had to pay for all day, I'd have to do that multiple times just to, to break even. Whereas with this, it, so sometimes I think a lot of trainers don't really think it through. They don't think the math through. So if I could bring home an extra $3,000 a month or four grand a month and have like no expenses, like 200 bucks and some insurance, and yeah. I only had to work like three, four, five day, days out of the week, but only an hour or two a day, and then, you know, what would that be worth to you? A lot of people that would change their lives in terms of their business. And then you look at the other side, these people that get into these 5000 a month, 6000 $7,000 a month of rent or whatever, depending on where you live, and they have to, you know, they get the same boot camp, but now instead of making all that as, as profit, all of that or like 80% going to expenses, and then they're going, why don't I make any money in my fitness business? Well, because you had to have the big fancy place. <laughs> so now you've got to you can't just do that boot camp one time you got to do it like four or five times and you got to do personal training and all this other stuff to make up for it and um yet you can you do it absolutely i'm not saying you can't crossfit gyms do it all over the country all day long that's what they do you know that exact model right there but then you've got to have or you know a boot camp running all day can you make the math work yes but i guess my point in all this is you know, you've got to you've got to do the math, and you got to think about what's what's your time worth, and what do you why are you doing it? You know, and, and if you know that you really only want to work a few hours a day, and you're happy with a smaller amount of money, then you better not get yourself into a big old gym. <laughs> you better keep it small and keep it simple, uh, especially if you're like a stay-at-home mom or dad. I know a lot of our trainers have you know kids and families and stuff they're juggling. It's just not even realistic to want to start a gym because you, the gym is going to own you and you're going to be there all day long. So you have to decide if you want that, that's fine. But you have to understand that you're going to be growing something much, much bigger if you're going to get a bigger overhead. So what I decided to do is go with, with that indoor and then add, like Georgette said, add the park as an additional option to have, you know, more times available. So I do morning and afternoon. I have my morning indoor location because nobody's going to work out outside in the winter time in the, at 5:30 in the morning anyway. I don't care where you live. Not for very long. Maybe in the summer in a nice tropical climate, <laughs> but not in the northeast or the northwest where we live. <laughs> and uh, and then during the during the afternoon when it's still nice and decent out, we have an outdoor camp and we do it through the winter. And our outdoor hardcore people love that. So we, I can have the best of both worlds. So my opinion is to do both. I like both, and uh, indoor outdoor, like you said, Georgette. Is there a perfect location? I don't, I don't think so. I think, like you said, it kind of depends on the situation. But I, if I had to say what is perfect, well, I agree with you. I think an indoor 
Having an indoor location with an outdoor option is probably perfect, and having at least 1,400 square feet of space and having the, the, the overhead reasonable in your market, meaning low. <laughs> so so a, a, a lower overhead, which means you're not in a fancy retail place right next to a big giant you know, grocery store, department store, you know, high-end complex. You know, you're, you're, you're in a place that's probably a little bit more industrial, air, light industrial, or a little bit off of the main expensive retail area, probably right. close to a park or a trail or, or something where you can, you can kind of mod. And people will drive to those locations. So uh, that was a lot. I got off on a, on a soapbox there for a minute. <laughs> no, because you summed up what I had said too. It was in, it was tied in there, and I didn't realize you did both <laughs> indoor out there as well, which is I, it's kind of funny actually because I didn't know your answers and you didn't know mine, and they ended up to be the same. So yeah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's very that's cool because we're on the we're on the same page. But uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so with that being said, um, Georgette, what do you think is, you know, um, one thing we didn't talk much about, but I know we've had a lot of questions on is negotiating a lease. Yeah. Um, and, and I think maybe we should spend a couple minutes talking about that. It's a right. tricky topic. We're, uh, you know, and first of all, before I before either one of us says anything, just, uh, the, uh, you know, got to say, hey, disclaimer, I'm not a real, we're not real estate agents, nor are we attorneys. So we're not going to talk about it too much from that angle, maybe, but just from our own personal experience in business to help people out and give them some pointers on, you know, kind of what we did and what works and what doesn't work and good and bad landlord. Do you have a good landlord? Do you like your landlord? I, I, I've never asked you that one. How How is your lease negotiation? <laughs> Actually really good, you know, and, and to, you know, we, we got in for, you know, like you said, it was a step up kind of thing. We got in on the base, you know, cheap, cheaper price. You know, we did get a month or whatever we did free, and it, but it was still going to be, you know, the, the lowest they could go for that first year. Second year was, you know, I don't even know what the second year, how much it went up, you know, in the third year. But like, you know, we're there ten, and uh, you know, it had a step up plan. We also moved into a larger space and negotiated, you know, so there wasn't real, uh, it didn't jump up even that much, even with moving, because, you know, the the physical therapy place that was where we were, they moved to a, a different spot in, you know, in the front of the building. We wanted to move into their area. So, you know, it's not like we were leaving. So, we were able to negotiate that too, even though it was a bigger space. Yes, it had to go up, but it didn't go up that much. And I don't remember now, so don't even ask. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know, we do have a good landlord. They're willing to sit down and talk because we, you know, we we've been there, and once you're there for a while too, you know, and you are a good tenant, not one that's bitching every two time you turn around or complaining um you know when when incidentals happen like like the roof leaks or whatever the heck um you know there's there's only so much that's in their control too and, and um the the more i've seen it happen okay inside my own building the the better you are 
the better they are to you. <laughs> Meaning, mm. you know, the better the, uh, you know, the the less you squawk about that they really can't do anything about sometimes is, um, you know, in other words, just sum it up. You be a good tenant and, you know, it pays off to be a, a good tenant because, you know, if you're going to start, you know, firing back at, you know, lawsuits and threatening lawsuits and threatening this and that, here's what you'll find. You'll find yourself kicked out of the building because they'll either raise the rent so high that, you know, or raise it to the point or make it be a five-year lease, you know, and something you might not want to do. And uh, you go, oh, my God, I can't do that. And then, oh, no, too bad. See you later. And that's, I've, am I making it up? No, I'm not. I've seen it happen inside my own building. Uh, on the other hand, if you're a good tenant, <laughs> you can go in and say what we did, and this is, this is my own example. Um, <clears throat> you know, instead of doing a three-year option or two, what was it, two, three-year option, whatever it was, a three-year option, can we do two, uh, one year? <laughs> Something like that. Okay. Um, yes, you can. You know what I mean? We're gonna we're gonna let you do that. And it was ironic because there was a agency in with us that um, really they they didn't want to go for the three year option because at the end of our let me back up at the end of our let's say seven years um, we had to have two I think it was. This is the way the contract was. You got seven years. You paid, you know, the contract was renewed yearly. After that, it was, I think it was two, 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 two three-year options or two, two-year options. Do you follow me? Yeah. Okay. So what we did was go to them and ask not to have that two-year option, to keep it at a one-year option for the two years. And they agreed. At the same token... The, the next door, for whatever reason, they did not agree, and they left. They had to leave. You know, can't afford the rate, can't afford the rent, don't want to do it for three years. Oh, sorry, we'll see you. But, you know, mm. I don't know what the reason was. But they liked us because we've been there so long, and we've really a good, you know, good tenant. We, you know, we we did our own work inside, painted, we did whatever we wanted. You know, uh, they've allowed us to use an empty warehouse when it was, you know, given given us the key and say, yeah, you can use it. Nothing extra. You know, nobody was renting it at the time. They allowed us to do that for whatever we wanted to do. If it was a Zumba class, if it went, well, we didn't do Zumba. We had our own dance class. Um, if we wanted to use it for a, something else, we, we got to use it when it was available. So... They were being very, very good to us. If you're at a point mm. where you can't grow, you know, we were at a point where it, it, was, where it was, when the economy took a hit that time, remember? What years were mm-hmm. it? Yeah. What happened was we said, you know, we're at a crossroads here. <laughs> we don't know. 
if we're going to be here, you know, we didn't say we don't know if we're going to be here. We don't know what we're, what we're going to do. Can you help us? Because we we would like to have, you know, instead of the two-year option, go with the two one-year options, you know, instead of that. Okay. Why? I said, because, you know, we're trying to, we're kind of between a rock and a hard place. We, we're growing, but we don't have the money to expand. We're right, right there in the Okay? And they worked with that. What can we do to help, mm. you know? Because they didn't want to see us go. You know, they don't want to see you go either sometimes. If you're a good tenant, you've been there long, you know, it's not easy to, at that point, the economy was affecting everybody, including them, like nobody was looking for commercial rental places because it was, you know, forget it. You know what I mean? Yeah, Georgia, you're bringing up a, you're bringing up a good point. I want to chime in real quick on that. I, I think that's a great point. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, trainers, they if they have never been landlords before and they think they're like the like some big bad big bad guy evil empire thing, they're just human beings and they're trying to make their business work and they can't be successful if, unless you're successful. So. You, you, the, I think you made a good point in saying that you were a good tenant and the landlord decided to work with you, whereas they ne- didn't necessarily want to work with the other people, even though it was a similar situation, because you guys were self-sufficient. You probably paid your rent on time. You, did, you didn't, like you said, you're, you're, you're doing what you could in the space the best you could, and they appreciated that. And that's huge, huge. Another thing that I think that, that you kind of said in your story kind of quickly there that I want to highlight is that everything is negotiable. I mean, a lot of times people think, oh, well, what are the rules? i got to ask the landlord. Well, no, there are no rules, not in commercial real estate. And one thing I learned uh, when I was studying it for a time was, you know, when you're in residential, the world of residential real estate, what I mean by that is, you know, like let's say you go and you uh, want to uh, rent an apartment or you're going to buy a house. Residential real estate is way more controlled, regulated, standardized, because it happens so frequently every day to all the, you know, like everybody. Everybody needs a place to live. And so a lot of these things, a lot of the rules are in place, and you kind of have to just follow the rules. You you can find little tiny details to negotiate, but oftentimes a lot of things just aren't negotiable. Uh, Whereas in commercial real estate, it's the total opposite. It's like the Wild West by comparison. I mean, people say, well, how do you do it? You have to pay this and this amount and you have to do it like, no, there's no rule. I mean, I've seen landlords that want a business in a space so bad that the, that the tenant doesn't even pay rent for a whole year because they're trying to get them in there because they know in the long run, the lease is going to be like 10 years long and they're going to more than make it up because uh, in, in te- uh, commercial tends to be more stable or hopefully it is, it's supposed to be, and, you know, the leases can be a lot longer. So if you have a standalone location for your boot camp, you might be signing a a five-year lease, seven-year or three-year. And, by the way, you know, if you can, typically it's to your benefit not to. Most of the time, uh, as the business owner, you want to go as, you know, lowest risk would be the least amount of time. So you don't want to sign a five-year lease. You'd rather be in a three. (laughs) Instead of a three, you'd rather be in a one. You know, instead of a one, I'd rather be month to month. But um, because you have less risk and if the business goes south, which you don't want to have happen, but if it does, you can get out of there really quick instead of having to owe the landlord for the next three years without a business to pay for that, which is possible. So, um, you know, like you said, being a good tenant and negotiating everything from step one is critical. 
And right. not only that, but, you know, you can, uh, when you're going in to negotiate, there's a big difference between negotiating a standalone location versus a sublease. So a sublease is where, let's say you're, you're going to go to a gymnastics facility. Well, there's a big giant building owned by somebody, right. and one of the large parts of that warehouse building is is run by a gymnastics company. So you might not have ever thought of this as a trainer, but the gymnastics company is a business, and it may or may not be the owner of the building. The owner of the building is typically a separate business, and they may even have a management company that runs the building. So you've got a ma- an owner who hires a management company to lease out the space, who's then worked with the gymnastics company to you know create a lease, and it might be all formal and and everything, and then you walk into the gymnastics company and you offer to just help out with their rent a little bit, utilizing the space in a downtime when they would never normally have anybody in there, so it's virtually found money or free money to the gymnastics owner, and you just make a little side deal with them, and that, that would be like a little side sublease. Now, one time, though, I went in to do that, and one of my locations, the gal was really strict with following not only all the rules, but also just didn't want to deal with me. And so she actually had her real estate agent work with me. And by the way, if that happens to you, it's kind of a red flag. It's not as good. Because what happened was, is the real estate agent was actually working for the owner of the building. So he made me sign a sub, an actual official like 15-page long rental agreement as if I was renting the whole building. Yeah, I was just a fitness instructor running an hour-long class in the morning at the gymnastics facility. It was ridiculous. You know, I was like, what am I signing all this stuff for? Now, I did it at the time because it was still a decent deal, but they also charged me too much. I ended up paying too much. It was a weird deal. So uh, it, here's the lesson in that. Whenever you can, you want to be a uh, forthright, you want to be honest, you want to have integrity, I'm not telling you to do anything against any rules, but I always, always err on the side of a little bit more casual if I can, and asking for per, asking for forgiveness rather than permission. Because the reason why I do it is, if I walk into the gymnastics and we're just friends and we're buddies and we're checking it out and it's a little extra money for them, it really is their responsibility to rent that place, and I'm not really you know, I'm not moving equipment in. I'm just using the space an extra hour, and I'm paying them some rent on the side, you know, for them. It's all, they're subcontracting in, in a sense, and I'm going to have insurance, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for my insurance to cover their space so there's no, you know, liability or any problems there. And I just keep it low-key. Because if you get all official and you, you – you, a lot of trainers I see, they get so scared of doing the wrong thing that they, they, they make a big, big giant splash when they really should have just put a toe in the water. And their splash is like, well, I called the owner of the whole building and, you know, I want to make sure everything's okay. And the owner said, oh, I don't know about that. And they got all freaked out. And then I got to sign a 25-page document and pay, you know, uh, first, last damage and this and that and the other. And pretty soon you're in a big mess. And all you wanted to do was run a little boot camp. Same thing with the parks. You know, I I ran in the parks for years without ever asking permission. And one time I was in a big city where there there was, you know, some of the cities you can't do that anymore, obviously. But the city came and they said, hey, you can't do that. We need, you need to get permission and do all this stuff. And I said, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Who do I talk to? 
That was all that mm-hmm. happened. I didn't go to jail. Nobody fined me. There was no. I just said I was sorry, and then I went and and then I made it official. I went to the parks department, signed all their paperwork, and made it official. And I think a lot of trainers don't even get started because they're so worried of of doing you know of getting in big trouble or da da. But if if I would have gone, some of the parks departments. I got to tell you this story really quick. When I did it the opposite way, instead of asking for forgiveness rather than permission, one time I called one of the parks departments first before even trying to do any exercising there. See, here's what I look at it as. It's me and a couple of buddies, and typically when you start a boot camp, if you've got three or four people, all you're doing is you're out there working out with friends. I mean, I really believe that's all you're doing. Now, uh, you could argue with me and say, well, no, you're running a business, and yeah, eventually you're going to be running a business, and that's true, and I'm not saying do anything that doesn't lack in, that lacks integrity, but my point is that this is a real gray area that, that somebody could split hairs over because we're all paying taxes to use these parks, and a lot of people are using the parks for all sorts of reasons, and some of them are doing drugs in the parks, but they don't get kicked out, you know. But we go and try to make people's lives better and, and help and help with uh, you know exercising, which is what the park is for. And yet, for some reason, we're going to get kicked out. Well, I'll tell you why we're going to get kicked out. One time, I went to the uh, the parks department and I gave them the idea to do this boot camp. And now all, there was already trainers and other people running around the park doing things and organized sports. And some of them, you know, the big giant leagues running baseball camps, they, they, they're actually, you know, officially paying the park extra and all that stuff. But when I gave the park my idea, they said, that's wonderful. We really like it. Come in again and tell us more. And I kept coming back for more and more meetings, thinking that the negotiating was going well. And pretty soon I'm going to be able to run my boot camps there and just pay them a little fee. You know, I don't mind paying a little fee to do it. Well, they figured out that they could make a lot of money doing that themselves. So guess what they did? The Parks Department created an entire boot camp program, copied my idea, copied everything off my website, and tried to run it on their own. And I didn't even I wouldn't, didn't have the ability to do it. And I'm finding that all over the country, all these Parks Departments, they're supposed to be, you know, for the public good, and they're taking our taxpayer money. And they're supposed to be providing that as a service. They're government, basically. But they have these little, sometimes you get these little fiefdoms in there. It was almost like a mafia deal where you can't even be in the park without paying a fee. You know, it's like, unless you just show up and, you know, we don't catch you. you know, and pretty soon it's like, what is this? Is it a, is it a public thing or, or are you running a business here? Pretty soon they're running a business. The Parks Department in some cities are quite involved, multi-million dollar operations, and they're making money off all of these classes. And they figured out they, make, they, they get the taxpayer money. And then on top of that, they can make extra money. So they, they charge you as a taxpayer. And then to use the park, you get to pay again to, you know, participate in one of their programs, which is pretty much running all day long. And I'm all, I know I'm on a little bit of a soapbox, but what I find is ironic is some of the parks departments are so involved, like they have so many things going on, that you don't have any other option. You can't really use any of their facilities or the park because there's always something going on. Like, well, no, you can't play there right now because we have soccer going on. Oh, no, you can't be in the park running the trail because we have an organized running club right now. So it's like, well, when can the public actually use the park? So I find it to be an interesting business model they have where they get the taxpayer money, plus they get to charge the taxpayers a second time to use the park. <laughs> so I got really frustrated with that, and I, didn't, and I ended up, um, I ended up uh, going to a different park, and it, what, I, I moved out of that city, and instead right. I made a deal with our county. And I actually had an agreement with the county to be able to use any county park, but I couldn't use that particular city's parks because they had their little – 
you know, monopoly on, you know, fitness programs of any kind. And in order to work there, you had to pay them, a re you, you couldn't even pay them a fee. You had to just become an employee. So um, I know that was a long-winded story, but my point is, is that everything's negotiable. And also, you want to you want to make good relationships with the right people. And then the third thing is, is you want to make sure that you ask for forgiveness rather than permission a lot of times. Because if you end up making a big stink about it and you blow it up out of proportion, sometimes somebody where there wasn't, there didn't used to be a rule, and but because you made a big deal out of it, now they decide they have to make a rule. You know, we didn't have a rule you couldn't do boot camps in our park, but because you're asking. We're like, wow, we don't even know how to handle this. This is out of our comfort zone. We don't even want to be de deal with this question you're even asking. I better go, go call my boss who doesn't know how to answer it, who has to call his boss and her boss. And pretty soon the boss on the very top goes, what are you trying to do? This is crazy. No, no boot camps are allowed. Whereas it wouldn't even have mattered if you would have just shown up and worked out with your clients. But now they're not even allowed at all because you made a big stink about it. So <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is you got to be smart and you got to think these things through and you have to just go and just be cool and take it easy and kind of ease into it and, and you know, get, get, let people understand what you're doing. Sometimes if they don't know what you're doing, they get all, they get all freaked out, you know, whether it be a landlord for, of a space or it be a park or, a, or, or parks department or something else. Sometimes they don't know what you're doing, and so they just go crazy because they think, oh, my gosh, what are you going to – what's a boot camp? I don't even know what that is. Are you going to destroy our location you know what are you doing in this place you know it's like no we're just we're just doing some push-ups you know <laughs> so it's it, it, sometimes there's some thought process that i think a lot of trainers they never they never think about this stuff they just kind of they get freaked out and they to the point where they don't even want to get started or they and they over they overthink it and they overanalyze it so much that they that they end up um shooting themselves in the foot and paying way too much money because they're asking everybody else what their opinion is of it when it doesn't matter what everybody else's opinion of it. Just get started. So um, there was a, a second soapbox for me for the day. I don't know. Any, any, uh, we're almost out of time too, Georgette. Any last words? I'll let you help uh, finish this up here. Well, no, I thought that was an interesting story about the park. But sometimes it's just a matter of, of explaining what you're doing in a, in a concise manner without giving away the farm. Sometimes you take, you know, in your case, I think you may, might have just said too much. Like you practically, you know, gave them the idea that they could run with it rather than just, you know, hey, it's a, it's a class. I'm going to be running a fitness class. Figure it out. You're, you know, then they would have had no idea, and they wouldn't have been able to run it themselves, and they would have actually hired you to run it probably. So it's more just, you know, they're running a fitness class. Like to run a fitness class. That's it. Don't go into like, well, what exactly is you are you doing? It's like they're not going to really care what exactly are you doing. But you know, I think saying too much is uh, you know explaining your whole business model and your whole you know concept and how much you're charging and giving them all the details is a, a little overboard. You know, you're asking for permission to use the park for a fitness class, and that's all you're doing, really. That's all they need to know. If uh, Do I need to pay a fee for that or not? You know, and that's it. They want to join the park. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll Good give you point. a deal yeah. on the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, Georgette, thank you so much. This has been a really fun one, this, this episode. Um, there you have it, folks, finding the perfect boot camp locations. Um, and uh, any last words, Georgette? 
know. I think we'll get this up on the blog, and uh, we'll be good to go. If you have any questions, they awesome. could ask. You know, you could always ask uh, questions on the blog or in the inner circle if you're a member. Fantastic. All right, okay. have a terrific week. Me too. Thank you. <laughs>